0: unbelievable happy australia day to all of us it's going to be a fun night i think i think god's going to do something incredible in each and every one of your hearts tonight i believe it with all my heart i've been praying all afternoon and and uh seeking god then i slept a bit and then uh but i really believe god's going to do something amazing here tonight let's pray before we sit down father thanks for tonight Thanks that you're here. Holy Ghost, you're so incredible. You're so wonderful. You're so majestic. We we praise you and we worship you, Father, for your presence here tonight. I thank you that already you've been touching hearts and preparing hearts for a word you're going to speak. Some of you are, I see, just out of water, and God wants to fill you up. Here tonight, some of you are desperate to hear from the Lord. You are desperate. You're like, Came here tonight. I need to hear from you, Father. I need to hear from heaven. It's interesting that Jamie's speaking, but I need to hear from you, God. And I believe that He's going to speak to you here tonight and give you the answers that you've been looking for. It might sound different than you thought, but you're going to feel that peace and that satisfaction in your soul when He speaks to you here. Tonight, I'm praying for breakthrough in people's lives here tonight, Father. The chains will be broken off people here tonight, Father. To see breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough in people's lives here tonight, no matter how young or old you are or what stage of life you are in. Father, we believe it. We stand on your word, declare it tonight that Jesus, you are Lord, and we'll see you in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Yay. Have a seat and a hand for the band. Woo. How good's your worship team? Big Dave worshiping. How good's Big Dave? Dave, awesome. That's Big Dave. Yeah, how good is he? He's amazing. Dave, you do everything. Whatever. He really does. See, I'm taking it off the coaster again. Na-na-na-na. I thought I was going to get in trouble today because I took it off the coaster and put it there, but it's it's my flesh makes me do it. Um, hey, I'm so good to be with you here tonight. Uh, I only get to come here sort of about once a year, and and uh, myself and my wife, Selena, we are huge fans of your pastors, Pastor John and Dan. They are just incredible. I love listening to John's preaching, and uh, his leadership is just immense whenever he comes down and does leadership conferences at Oxford Falls, which is my home church, Oxford Falls, um, it's just so impactful, and I always get amazing stuff off off him because it's so practical and it's so real, but it's so powerful. Last time I was here, I preached a a message called... Uh, being powerfully normal, about being 100% powerful, yet 100% normal. And there's nothing better than leading a life which is totally normal, but totally full of the power of God. And it's an incredible life to lead. And whenever I meet your pastor, I always think he's that type of dude. He's a normal dude, but he's got the power of God on his life. And I always think that's the sort of person that I want to be like. Okay, let's get into the message because there's a lot I want to get through. This message is called The Other side. I was speaking to Jackson. Jackson said, that sounds like a weird message from Revelation. So I've changed it. No, it's not. (laughs) It's called the other side, the journey of a dream. I don't know where you are in your journey of a dream uh, in this place tonight. Some of you might be just about to step out in a dream. You feel like God's spoken to you and you're about to step out and embark on something that you believe God's really spoken to your heart about. You believe it's like the gift on the inside of you has got a glimpse of what it could produce, and you really want to stretch it and see what you can do in life. Some of you have already stepped out, and you got stuck somewhere somehow, and you sat down, and you need to get back up again. You're not exactly sure how to do it. If not all of that makes sense, get the messages from this morning, and it'll make a lot more sense for you. Some of us have had so many ups and downs that we think that God has kind of forgotten all about us now, and we're past it let me tell you the reason that God doesn't seem to be doing anything in your life is not because he's finished with you it's because he hasn't even started with you yet and there's still a heck of a lot more to come in God I found this out the hard way God never finishes he's always got something new he's always got something fresh God's amazing like this Get the messages from this morning if you weren't here. God is always waiting for you to get up because he's got something new and he's got something fresh because there's always somebody that he needs to touch in this world, and he's willing to use someone just like you and me to do it. Is that all right? Good stuff. This message is called The Other Side, The Journey of a Dream. It's in Mark 4. We'll start in 35. That day when evening came, Jesus had just been preaching to a bunch of people beside a lake. Gee, that sounded like a shriek, didn't it? Ah, kids' church, bless. Uh, oh, is that young adults? That's <laughs> even worse. That Somebody just got that new giant Nerf gun and shot someone in the head. Ah, bless. You can pray for them. That day when, when evening came, so Jesus had just been preaching by a light to a bunch of people. And that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. Oh, Sometimes it's what Jesus doesn't say, which is just as powerful as what he does say. And by saying, let's go to the other side, he is also saying, guys, let's leave this side. Here's a revelation. You've got to leave somewhere to go somewhere. And some of us, God has spoken to, and he said, let's go to the other side. And we're like, yeah, let's flip and do it, God. I'm on fire. Let's go to the other side. And he's like, let's go. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. And he's like, well, let's go. And you're like, I am. And he's like, you've got to leave this side to go to the other side. And you're like, what? You see, if I didn't leave Sydney, I couldn't come to Kiwana Waters. I don't care how called I was, how gifted I was, how much vision I had, how many goals I had, a dream wheel, whatever it was. I could never come to Kiwana Waters unless I left Sydney. I know I'm really dumbing this down for you, but you've got to leave somewhere to go somewhere. And God's been speaking to you about going somewhere, and now you need to leave somewhere. Where first? I always like to tell the story of the monkey. Anyone let me tell the story of the monkey in some parts of Africa? They catch monkeys by getting a big log, and they hollow it out, and they put a little bit of sugar in there, and they put a little hole there. And they make the hole big enough that a monkey can slip his hand in to grab the sugar, but they make the hole small enough that when he makes a fist, he can't get his hand back out. So the monkey goes, puts his hand in, grabs the sugar, and can't get his hand out, and now he's freaking out. And the tribesmen, all they need to do, they jump out of the bushes and they walk over and they grab the monkey and they put the monkey in the bag and do whatever you do, make monkey stew or whatever. The crazy thing is they know the monkey will never let go of the sugar. It will hold on to its detriment. And the monkey, this, this is great. If you, I saw a video on it the other day. The monkey thinks that the tribesman is his problem so he's got his hand on the sugar not letting go of this thing and he's hissing and scratching he doesn't realize that this thing that he's holding on to is the problem this is the thing that's got him stuck on one side if he just realized that the tribesman is not his problem but this piece of sugar that he's got his hand on is the problem he could just let go you could almost feel that in the spirit couldn't you if he let go, he could slip his hand up, and he's way free. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. you got to leave anger if you want peace. See, you got to get into a boat. I'm sorry. It's been good. It's been fun, anger. It's been great. We had some good times, didn't we? Do we have some but i got to go. I'm going over to peace instead. you got to leave doubt if you want faith. Jesus, all the time. Why'd you doubt? Just have faith. Why would do you doubt? Just have faith constantly. He's like, leave doubt. Just leave it. Don't make your life full of doubt all the time. Make it positive all the time. Yeah, it's going to work out. Everything's going to be good. You've got to leave doubt. You've got to leave comparison if you want to go to contentment. Oh, we don't want to go there. Do we want to go there? The Bible says in Hebrews to run the race marked out before you. The Bible's suggesting that people living our lives it's like lanes in a running race in the olympics and the bible in the way it words this is almost suggesting that you can go on your mark set go and you can start running your race you can start living your life and then for some bizarre reason i know it's no one in this church but probably in another church down in sydney you would actually start to look in other people's lanes and other people's lives and go Why the heck are they so far ahead? This is ridiculous. I think they're manipulative. That's the sort of person. That's what they're doing. Why does nobody notice this? It's ridiculous. That's how they're getting so far ahead in church. See the way they talk to the pastor. This is crazy. And the Bible's suggesting in so much saying to run in your own lane that not only would you look in other people's lanes that you would actually... Get into someone else's lane. And you would start to now constantly compare other people's successes with your own life. And now other people's success becomes the measuring stick of how you're doing in life. It's crazy. And then you come back to your own land. You have a good morning at church. I'm back in my own land. God, I'm loving you. And then it's like, how did they, how did they get so oh, they got a massive inheritance. Well, good. I hope they don't blow it like last time they got some. You know, it's just crazy stuff. Everything just gets handed to them. Oh, and then they're in love. Oh, God, you don't hand anything to me. Don't you hate Facebook? I can be sitting down watching a movie, having a good night. And my wife will be sitting there on her phone and she go- looks to me and she goes, They're in Bali again. You know, she's just like. And I'm sitting down having a good night watching a movie, and all of a sudden I'm like, what do you mean? She just hands me the phone. I look at the phone. I'm going, that's the first trip. And she goes, it's a different hotel. And I look at my I, like, oh, my gosh. We haven't been away for years. What's wrong with me? Shouldn't have had three kids because then it's too expensive to go away. Should have only had two kids. It was your idea. All you got this crazy stuff going on in your life, comparing your life to other people. You've got to run the race marked out before you you got to leave it. Comparison, see ya. It's been good. It's been fun comparing my life to everyone else for a while, but i got to go. I've got to go to contentment in my life. you got to leave somewhere to go somewhere. Sometimes it's not what you're willing to go for that's stopping you, but what you're not willing to let go of. I tell this, men's conferences all the time, switch it off. One button can change your life forever. Just one phone call, one thing, just walk away. Sometimes 20 seconds of insane courage can change your life forever. Situations you walk out of. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Uh, next sentence. Leaving the crowd behind. Oh, no, you didn't. Leaving the crowd behind. I wasn't going to tell this story and God just wouldn't let me let it go. So I'm going to tell the story. And I think I've mentioned it here before, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, with our first baby, we, we lost our first child. We, uh, my wife had a miscarriage. Uh, she got pregnant again with our daughter Bella. And it looks like it looks like about 10 weeks in, she was going to lose that baby as well. I was going to work that night and I was like, I wanted to pray and ask God that the baby would be all right. And as I tried to pray, I had this recurring argument in my head that stopped me praying. And the recurring argument was, how can you pray that your baby would be all right when there are better people than you at church that have had five miscarriages? And it sabotaged, it hamstrung my prayer so I couldn't pray this prayer and I was like God I pray that the baby and it's like yeah but who am I to ask for that when there's better people at me people people at church that have been there longer that are holier people than me that have had worse things happen to them so who am I to ask for a miraculous outcome when other people are better than me and had worse things happen to them and the argument was so good that it totally hamstrung my prayer. And it stopped me. So I started with, yeah, God, but I pray that everything, yeah, but what about them, God? They've had there and that girl there, and she leads a prayer ministry, and she's at five miscarriages, all this sort of thing. I got to work. I got out of my car, and I swear, it was like a, like the presence of God just went, vroomf right in front of me. And God spoke straight into my heart. And he said exactly these words. He said, no, you have faith in God. And, and I, it made me step back for a second, and I went, and I started to want to believe it, but then I thought, yeah, but what about them? That they've had, you know, they're better people, they do this, and they've had miscarriages. they've had awful things. And again, no, you have faith in God. And I was, yeah, but what about, that? but these other people have been, and he went, no, you have faith in God. And I went, yeah, but no, what about them? And he goes, no, you have faith in God. Over and over again, it was like a finger pointing and He going, no, you have faith in God. No, you have faith in God. No, you have faith in God. And I finally got it. And I got <laughs> and I got home and I said to Sel, I said, something amazing happened. I really believe no matter what, no matter what anybody else has gone through, we're to block it out of the way and believe God for our situation, for our lives right here, right now. <laughs> and I prayed for Selina and, and um, I got this vision in my head of this blood being um, like with a paintbrush kind of thing go, whoosh, over her tummy and whoosh, over her forehead. Weird thing. And then um, she went to the hospital and, and uh, it was probably about four weeks early for the baby and the doctor said, your, your wife's gone through a bit of a tough time and it's a wee bit touch and go. And then uh, straight away the vision came back into my head and I went in to see Selena. I said, don't worry, blood over the baby, blood over you, we're going to be all right. And now Bella's 16 and crazy. But, um, but here's the thing, when I, that happened, I really felt it in my own heart that, as for me and my house, I'm going to believe God no matter what. And can I tell you what? You've got to leave the crowd behind. And I know you've seen people that have gone through tough times, and you think, well, I'm not perfect. Who am I to believe God for something incredible? No, no. You have faith in God. God gave you a humongous dream for a reason because he knew you needed a dream that big to motivate you. Other people just need small things. You you needed something massive to get you up off your backside and start taking steps of faith. You have faith in God. Yeah, but other people have dreamed and nothing happened for them. I don't give a rip. You have faith in God. But other people have believed for a house and haven't seen it. I don't care. You have faith in God today. Have faith in God today. you got to leave the crowd behind. I bless them, love them, pray for them. I don't know what God's doing in their life, but that's their walk with God. You're going to start walking your own walk with God. And I tell you, you got to leave that crowd behind. you got to believe God for what he's going to do. Is that all right? Leaving the crowd behind, Colossians 2.18, let no one cheat you of your reward. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's move on. Leaving the crowd behind, next next part of the sentence. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. They took him along just as he was in the boat. I thought that's a really odd scripture. It's that, what, he didn't have time to go home and change? Did he have another robe that he would wear? because they were going out on the water. Maybe he had an aqua. So you know, those, you know those shorts you can wear to go out and also to swim in, submersibles or whatever they're called. Maybe he had a robe made out of that. I don't want to know what it was. But I kept on reading this. They took him along just as he was in the boat. They took him along just as he was. And I thought, what an odd thing that Mark would put in the Bible. And so I looked at all these different versions of the Bible to find out what it actually meant here. And uh, I think it was the Amplified I found. It says, they took him along just as he was in the boat where he was sitting. They got into his boat. Jesus was the word, just bear with me here. Jesus was the word become flesh. They didn't try and take the word and add the word to their boat. Instead, they got in to the word. So they didn't try to take the word and just add it to their life. This is the crazy thing. And this just popped into my head this afternoon that Jesus had just finished preaching in earlier on in Mark about the parable of the sower. And he said this crazy thing that if you've got a heart full of worry and fear and anxiety, if you take the word and just add it to it, he said the, the worry and the fear will actually choke the word and it will be completely and utterly unfruitful In your life. I don't know if you've ever had this. You're trying to lead your life and you're trying to get Jesus to come along with you. I'll just get up in the morning, chuck a bit of word in the side there and everything should be good. And off we go. Jesus said the crazy thing that's going to happen is the worries and the fears that exist inside of you are going to choke the life out of the word of God. This is nuts. It's got enough power to create a universe. But if you throw it in to a a garden bed that's full of weeds, it will choke the life out of the Word of God, and it will be completely and un uh, completely unfruitful. so the disciples did the right thing and they didn't just take the word and throw it into their boat instead, they decided to get into the Word of God. They decided to give the Word preference. Wherever the Word was going, that's where they were going. Whatever the Word said, that's what they said. Whatever the Word was thinking, that's what they were thinking. They were putting the Word of God first place. Jesus said, after he's talking about worry and fear in your life, he said, if you want to defeat it, he said, seek, gosh, seek first the kingdom of god the word kingdom means rule or authority in other words jesus went around preaching everywhere this just occurred to me the other day he went around preaching everywhere the kingdom of god the rule and the authority of god jesus didn't go around preaching everywhere just get god into your life he went around everywhere preaching make god first place in your life. He wasn't talking about just having presence. He was talking about God having priority in your life. He said, this is where the power comes from. This is how things come to pass in your life. Not when the Word of God is just in your life, but when the Word of God is first place in your life. You can't jump into a boat and go, Jesus, hop in here. Let's get a bit of word in here. You have got to stop, get out of your boat and go, wherever the word's going, I'm going. Oh, I'm going to go where this is going. I'm going to start speaking this thing. If the word of God, this is going to sound like heresy, but it's a word of God. If it ain't first place, it's no place. If it doesn't have all power, it has no power. This is crazy stuff. That's why Jesus went everywhere preaching the authority of the kingdom of God, the rule of the word of God in your life. He said, because if you seek it first, if you put it first, all these things will be added to you as well. My God, that's crazy, right? So they got into his boat and then a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat. A storm broke out. (laughs) <laughs> Who would have thought? They put the word of God first. They stepped out in faith. They heard God. They left one side to go to another side. They left it all. believing God for great things. And then a storm came up. A storm in the will of God? What? An Australian God on Australia Day weekend. A storm? Giants in the promised land? What? Here's a revelation. I'm going to make this really, really clear. There's storms in the will of God. There's giants in the promised land. Is that all right? The Israelites got to the promised land and they looked over and they went, hey, God, it's full of giants. And God went, yeah. That was it. There's giants in the promised land. It's part of the deal. This is what I reckon. I reckon the devil works flat out all the time trying to get into our heads saying this one thing, this accuser of the brethren, this liar, says this one thing there's something wrong. Gosh. There's a storm, there's something wrong. A storm in your life, you've done something wrong. Really? There's a giant in your world you've got to defeat, something wrong. Ten years for your dream to come and pass, There's something wrong. 20 years for your dream to come to pass? Oh, there's something wrong. You're not out of debt yet? Oh, there is something wrong. Not married yet? There is something wrong. Can I tell you, there is nothing wrong. There is absolutely, positively nothing wrong. It's just a flipping storm. It's just a flipping giant. You need to take the Word of God out and defeat this thing and speak to this thing. Here it is. Imagine this, there's something wrong, there's something wrong. That's what he said to the the Israelites going into the promised land. There's giants, there's something wrong. They said, oh, there must be something wrong. We've messed up. We should have got here earlier, blah, 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 blah. So they didn't take the land. It's crazy. There's something wrong. But there isn't something wrong at all. Uh, Bear with me, bear with me. There's a storm. And they're thinking there's something Wrong. Let me move on. I forgot where I was going with that. Did we get that all right, though? Yeah. Something fabulous I was going to say. And I totally forgot. Teresa, help me out. No idea. Doesn't matter. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat. Absolute huge storm. There was something wrong. So that it was nearly swamped. Oh, my Gosh, I was just thinking of this. I'm going to go back to that because it's popped back into my head. Imagine if the storm wasn't actually the situation you're going through in life. Imagine if the storm was actually your perception of the problem. Imagine if the giant wasn't actually the physical situation that you're facing, but really the giant was your perception of the problem. What I'm saying is that the problem isn't really the problem. Your Attitude to the problem is really the problem. And God wants you to deal with this. This is the cool bit. They come, the storm, (gasps) water coming over the boat. Jesus is asleep in the boat. This goes to prove it, storm in your head. Jesus was asleep in the boat. Faith sleeps, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. This is what makes me think that perhaps the storm that God's talking about here is more to do within our heads than it is to do with the situation, the storm that there's something wrong. That's what God wants to deal with here tonight because I've heard a lot of people preach about this, you know, what you should do with a storm in your life, speak to it or don't speak to it, that kind of thing. Imagine if Jesus was actually giving the disciples a bit of a whiteboard demonstration on how to deal with a storm on the inside of your mind. Because with a boat, it doesn't matter how much water is on the outside of a boat, it's only water that gets on the inside of a boat that will sink it. And maybe Jesus was telling these guys, this is how you deal with a storm on the inside, because... 13 of us have got a storm on the outside, but only 12 of us have got a storm on the inside. He's like, I'm fast asleep because I know we're going to the other side. Watch this. I'm going to calm the storm. and He goes, quiet, be still. That's what you need to do to deal with this storm on the inside. Because that thing on the outside will never take you down. That is nothing. That's not the real giant. That's not the real storm. The real giant, the real storm is this thing in your head telling you there is something wrong. And there is nothing wrong. God is still on your side. You are still going to make it. You're still going to get to the other side. And I'll still have a voice by the end. Hallelujah. Shivers, that's crazy, right? I asked God when I was um, preaching in a church once, I said, if you hadn't have calmed the storm, would the boat have sunk? I think that's a pretty fair question, right? I said, that's, that's great, Jesus, you're telling me that about calming the storm on the inside. But if you hadn't have calmed the real storm, would the boat have sunk? Nothing. I was praying all that night. If you hadn't have calmed the storm, would the boat have sunk? Nothing. The way I try and get things from God is I try and think about it, and he normally gives me something. Nothing. If you hadn't have calmed the storm with the boat of sunk, God, nothing. If you hadn't calmed the storm with the boat of sunk, and it got to the next morning, and I'm preaching at like 11 o'clock. It's like 10 o'clock. I'm getting dressed, ready to leave this guy's house. God, I'm doing other buttons. And I remember I got up to the top button on my shirt, and I was like, God, if you hadn't have calmed the storm with the boat of sunk. And God said to me very clearly, but really quickly, he said, doesn't matter. Ha, 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 ha. It doesn't matter. And all of a sudden, my brain started to go, you know, God plants one seed and a tree grows immediately. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it doesn't matter. My focus was on the boat. Don't put your faith in the boat. My focus is on the boat getting them to the other side. Your focus might be on the house getting you or your career getting you or the person, your partner getting you to what you want in life. Don't put your focus on that because it doesn't matter whether that falls away or not? Because I'm looking at this going, if the boat had sunk, would they have still survived? And Jesus said to me, it doesn't matter. Maybe other boats would have come along and they would have jumped into their boats and got to the other side. Maybe the boat would have splattered apart and they all would have grabbed a log each and kicked to the other side. They still would have gone to the other side. Maybe they just would have swam. Maybe they would have ran on the water. Whatever. The fact of the matter is... Then we're going to get to the other side. It absolutely doesn't matter. One little bit. One little iota. It's crazy we're going to have this confidence in life. I was doing a, um, a cross once, which is like a live cross for television. And a cross, yeah. Thank you, Teresa. Thank you, my love. And uh, I was doing it with these. Uh, they just created the, the, the highest half pipe in the southern hemisphere in Sydney, in Homebush, this thing was massive, big half pipe. And I went there, and there's all these 8- and 10-year-old kids just dropping in on this thing. And I'm going, these kids are nuts. And I was talking to the guy who was instructing these kids, and I said, dude, you got 8- and 10-year-olds dropping in on this half pipe. I said, and they're so confident. Why are they so confident? and he said well Jamie when they first get here we don't give them a skateboard we give them a helmet and we give them elbow pads and knee pads and gloves and they just spend the first day running up and down the side of a half pipe and when they're confident at that then we get them to run up the top and then they slide down on their bellies and then they slide down on their backs and then they slide down on their knees and then they're ready to get a skateboard he said Jamie you asked me why the kids are so confident he said it's because they're not afraid to fall And then I got home and I started reading about, I started doing a study on all the scriptures. Paul saying, I'm confident of this. I'm confident of that. I'm confident that nothing can separate us from the love of God. I'm confident that all things work together for good. I'm confident that he who started a good work in you will bring it through to completion. And it struck me that the source of Paul's confidence was not his perfection, but in God's unfailing power. So Paul wasn't confident because he thought he'd always get it right. Paul was confident because he knew it didn't matter if he got it wrong. So if the boat exploded, if he made it some wrong decisions in life, if he chose the wrong way to go and he didn't get it quite wrong, if things took longer than he thought, it didn't matter because God was still going to get him there no matter what to the other side. That's crazy, right? Yeah, give the Lord a hand. It's awesome. Let me finish up. The other side, Then they did. They got to the other side. What's on the other side? The journey of a dream. Why did Jesus want to go to the other side anywhere? They got there, and there was this crazy dude there. The Bible doesn't say what happened to him. It just says that he'd separated himself from the people he loved and the people he grew up with. So I guess for a man to live with that kind of regret and that much shame, I can imagine the sort of things that maybe he'd done. And for whatever reason, he now lived totally separate. And the only answer that the people had in the village would be to go and see him and put chains on him. Isn't that crazy? Because as people, our first thought is what you really need is to stop hurting yourself. So they will put chains on him to stop hurting you. So you've got to stop drinking, you've got to stop smoking, you've got to stop doing this, you've got to stop. This. So we, they're pointing a finger the and they're saying, you've got to stop doing all this stuff. That'll fix you up but that's not what he wanted. The Bible says that he couldn't keep these chains on. He would smash them off every night because he wanted something else, but he couldn't find it. And then the Bible says that Jesus showed up, and one morning he sees this little boat pull up on the, the banks, and he goes running down. It's crazy. Rock, hair, blood, chains. Rah. You imagine the disciples going, holy moly. And this guy runs down, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, stop smoking. No, he didn't. <laughs> stop smoking. I've got some ministry to do. No, he said, <laughs> imagine. It's ridiculous. Got my aqua robe on. This guy shows up to Jesus. Maybe that's you here tonight for the first time in church or the first time in a long time. You show up to God. And Jesus said just this one thing. He said, because that's all the guy wanted. That's why he's been busting these chains off himself every night. He just wanted to be free. And then the Bible says, and then Jesus stepped back into the boat. <laughs> Imagine the disciples going, we went through hell to get here. One person, you pray for one dude, and we're going back on the water. <laughs> They would have been spewing. It's crazy. Crazy. He sets one guy free. One guy. And then the Bible says, Jesus, stepped back into the boat. What's on the other side? People. Probably one person. Just one. Just one. I've been to hell and back with some certain things in my life. And I've said to God, I think I'm, sometimes I thought I'd chuck it in. And I thought I wouldn't do it for, for fame or fortune or anything like that, God. And then I remember praying for someone once at the end of a service and it broke my heart. And, uh, but, and then I said to God, I'd do it for people. Though. I'd do it for people. Because when you get a chance to touch somebody else's life with the sort of things you've been through or what God's put into your life, it's worth every step of letting go of something, of stepping into a boat, of going through insane storms, of speaking out the word of God when you don't want to, for whatever reason, scratching, getting over to the other side. And there's someone waiting there, someone that at the end of the day, they just want to be free. They don't have all the answers. And they got people saying, you should stop doing this and stop doing that. And you show up, not with all the answers, but with a dude on board and his name's Jesus, he said, look, I don't have all the answers, but I I walk with this guy, Jesus, and he's got power to set anybody free, no matter what they've been through or what they're doing. Let's just close our eyes. Father, tonight, we've got a lot of people in different stages of a journey of a dream here tonight, Father. Father. And I believe that you would have spoken to people through certain stages. And some of us here tonight know we need to let go of somewhere, We need to leave somewhere to go somewhere. And there's other people here tonight, Father, that are saying, I need to put the word of God first place, man. I need to spend that first few minutes of every day with the Lord or the last few minutes of every day with the Lord or in the surf or walking the dog or whatever it is. I need to establish you first place. Because I know that's where things... Change in my world, Lord. I need to speak to that storm in my head that says something's wrong. The argument that keeps coming up saying, you should have given $200 10 years ago when I took that argument. These ridiculous thoughts that come up and say, you've missed it. It's too late. What a lie from the pit of hell. It's just a giant, it's just a storm in your head. You speak to that thing, quiet, be still. So peace reigns in your life. Some of you here tonight, it's just clicked in your head. I've been being ripped off for years. The devil's told me there's something wrong, so I haven't believed for great things. There is nothing wrong. God could not be more proud of you. No time has been wasted with you. (sighs) Some of you are not sure that you'd have what it takes to touch somebody else's life. Well, you don't, but you've got somebody with you who's got it all, and his name's Jesus.